Thank you, Anna Rowe. Uh, <clears throat> so today's a joyous day. It's a victorious day because what? There's a saying where it says, uh, he is risen, and you say? All right, so he is risen. He is risen indeed. Yes. A lot of us, we learned that from Pastor John Newfeld. Uh, they do that in a lot of uh, uh, churches back in America and Canada. But this will actually be my second Easter Sunday sermon. The first Easter Sunday sermon that I ever preached was last year. And it was the first sermon that I preached after our church officially began in April 1st. So it was actually uh, on April 8th that I, I did my first uh, Easter Sunday service. It was at the Sea Cloud Hotel. How many, of you guys, how many of you guys were there for that service? Is anybody here? Only the church? Oh, Rosie was there. Who else? That's about it? Yeah. I, think, I thought AJ was there. No, you weren't there? I thought, oh yeah, I thought I saw you back then. <laughs> uh, when I got to thinking, I realized that, you know, our launching service was on April 1st, okay? And our, the second service, which was actually Easter service, was actually on April 8th last year. However, this year, Easter is all the way up in March, in March and our one-year anniversary service is actually next week. So it got, kind of got switched up. You know, and um, I got to thinking why Easter always is so shifty. It's never what you think it's going to be. You're like, oh, it's in April. Don't worry. Even AJ came up. He's like, oh, wasn't it next week? But I, and you never, it's always, I, never, Easter's never where you think that it's going to be. And so last Sunday, Pastor John Newfeld, he came to our, he came to our house and he, he preached for us last week. So he came down all the way from Seoul and we're hanging out. And because, you know, he's an ordained minister, we call, we call him Reverend, the Reverend Newfeld. Uh, he, uh, he just recently uh, graduated from seminary, and we, I asked him, I was like, why, why is this? Now, why, is, why is Easter always different? And he answered me, I honestly don't know, Chin Wan. <laughs> and uh, we actually had to Google it, and we Googled it up, and, and we found out that Easter always follows Passover. Always follows Passover, and it's based on the Jewish calendar. And, and sometimes we forget that Jesus was a Jew. You know, we forget that all of this happened to the Jewish people and it came out within the Jewish culture. We forget that Jesus was born a Jew and when he was nailed to that cross, he was nailed to that cross and he died as a Jew. His disciples were all Jews, most of them. And, and, the, and, the, and the first church that was started was actually predominantly mostly of Jews. The Old Testament was all about the Jews. You know, all the Psalms written by a Jew. <laughs> and so, you know, and we can't deny the correlation that, that, that is there, this link that we have with the Jewish people. We share it in the Abrahamic blessing that flows down from Abraham. We share it in the history of the Old Testament. So where does the separation happen between the Jews and us? And I am here to say that it happens at the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It was in this crowning moment that our faith was born. <laughs> I love Anthony. It's like having, a, it's having my, my own, like, you know, rappers, they have their, what's a hype man? He's my hype man right here. Yeah! Yeah, crowning moment! Yeah! I love it. I love it. It's the best. But, but it was this moment where, where we went from death to life. 
we're not, you know, we're, we're not Christians because what Jesus taught us to do. You know, a lot of people, we, we get it, we got it mixed up. We, we believe that we're Christians. We can call our, quit ourselves Christian because we do what Jesus told us to do, what he taught us, his teachings. But we're Christians because of who he is and what he did, which was to die on the cross. Yes, he died, but he rose from the dead. He resurrected. He was risen. And that makes all the difference. Everything else, everything else that Jesus did, the teachings, all the things that the apostles did, is secondary in importance to the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. If Jesus actually came to earth, taught us all these things, you know, taught us, prayed for us, blessed us, and he actually died. He died on that cross, and he did not rise from the dead, we would be a false religion. That would make all the difference. If he did not rise from the dead, it would make all the difference for us, that we would be believing in a lie. Now, I'm not trying to downplay the cross. The cross is of utmost importance to our faith. Jesus died on, for our sins on that cross. You know, we get our salvation from his death and resurrection. But Jesus didn't stay on that cross. He's not still up on that cross. But he has risen. He has risen from the dead. Now, Pastor Mengo came uh, a few weeks ago and she preached uh, a sermon for us. It was a good word. And she was talking about how you know, churches, you go to some Catholic churches and even some Christian churches and you see the cross and you see this, this really skinny Jesus hanging from that cross you know, with, with the loincloth and the ripped abs. <laughs> Jesus has ripped abs. Um, and and, and, and this, this, this defeated Jesus. And she said, you know what? That's not my Savior. My Savior is victorious. My Savior isn't still nailed to that cross. But my Savior has risen from the dead. The crucifixion was a gruesome and bloody death. It was a humiliating death. It it wasn't meant to kill you. They crucify you not to kill you. Because if they wanted to kill you, they just kill you. They had swords. They'd chop off your head. (laughs) But crucifixion was there to torture you. It was a gruesome, painful, agonizing torture that usually led to death. And sometimes it didn't lead to death. Sometimes they just hung up there and they suffered. And what he endured, this is what he endured. Jesus Christ endured this for us. But even if he endured all of this, and we cry, and we mourn, and and we grieve, if he did not rise from the dead, it means nothing. The, the Savior that I believe, my Jesus Christ, rose from the dead. He's not, nailing, he's not nailed to the cross. And in our faith, it's in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The hope of glory that we have our salvation and our identity and our calling. It's in the resurrection. And as believers in Jesus Christ, we must live a life that reflects the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, last week, Pastor John, he came down and he preached... This word about uh, the word of God being a mirror. That what the word of God says is what we are. We may not feel like it, but what the word of God says we are is what we actually are. 
In the same way, what the resurrection reflects, it need, we need to, our life needs to be a reflection of, of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What we, what, you know, is what we are needs to shine forth that He is a risen Savior. And I want you guys to turn your Bibles to Ephesians one. If you have your Bibles with you, Ephesians one, verse seventeen to twenty-three. I'll read. I'm going to read from the ESV. That's the man. I, I hate wearing ties. Uh, you know, I, I I I outgrew this suit like a year ago, but you know I squeezed into it for Easter. It's going to loosen my tie because it's choking me. Um, Ephesians 1, 17 to twenty three. I'll read for you that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the workings of his great might, that that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority, and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And Paul's telling us here that, that he prays that God will give us this spirit of wisdom and revelation to know all the things that God has for those who believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Hopes to which we are called. Riches of his glorious inheritance. Immeasurable greatness of his power towards us. And our lives are to be a reflection of that power. It's supposed to be a reflection of the power of the resurrection. And so what does a life that reflects the resurrection look like? And my first point today is, a life that reflects the power of the resurrection is one that reflects the power over sin. You know, when Jesus Christ died and he rose again, he paid the price for all of our sin. Amen? If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, all your sins are forgiven. Amen? According to the word of God, you are holy and blameless before the Lord right now. As you stand right now, if I ask Sarah Boyle to come up here and stand, how heaven sees her is blameless and holy. Even though she may have been really mean to Jen this morning, her roommate. (laughs) As I stand before you today, God calls me blameless. Even though I may have yelled at my wife this morning for being late. It's not what I do, but it's based on the blood of Christ. Amen? As a matter of fact, in 1 John, it says, No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God sees... For God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. And some of you guys are saying, well, how could this be? You know, I sinned this morning. Does that mean that I am not born of God? Does that mean that I'm not saved? Well, I want you guys to turn to your Bibles to Romans 6. All right, I'm going to read to you guys Romans 6. And Paul says to the church in Rome, it says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can he, how can we who died 
to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, in him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought, brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. It says The word of God says that we were baptized into Christ, that we were also buried and baptized into his death. So when we are raised from the dead to life, we have we become alive in Him. When He was raised from the dead, we came alive in Him. But when He was when He was when He died, we died with Him. He says, "For death He died; He died to sin once for all. But the life He lives, He lives to God. So you also must consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. Mm-hmm. To reflect the death and resurrection of Christ." It's to recognize your own death. Your own death to sin. And the new life in Christ Jesus. Meaning you have to die. You have to die to sin. To your sinful self. And to be alive and resurrected in Christ Jesus. Your old self, before you knew Christ, needs to die. And yet there are a lot of Christians that do a lot of resurrecting these days. They resurrect. You know, they watch a lot of Harry Potter. They resurrect things. They're resurrecting the wrong things. They keep resurrecting their old self. Their old sin patterns. Old ways of thinking. You know, there's this, there's a book, you know, a long time ago, I did a lot of bad things, and I went to jail, and I went to prison, and, and I read a lot of books. You know, I'm, I was a voracious reader when I was in prison, but I read the wrong books. <laughs> I read a lot of, uh, like uh, romance novels. And I read a lot of like, you know, silly stuff like that. But I also read a lot of Stephen King. And I invite you to not read Stephen King books. A lot of, a lot of weird and wacky and demonic stuff in, in, in the Stephen King books. But I read this book. You know, it was, it was made into a movie a long time ago in the 80s. But I actually read the book. I never saw the movie. And it's called Pet Cemetery. And, uh, you know, like what, how, what Pet Cemetery is, this, this, this family moves into this neighborhood. And then there's, you know, that there's an Indian burial ground nearby where if you bury a dead pet, it comes back to life. And I'm going to leave it there because it gets really creepy and weird. I'm not going to go on. But that's what a lot of us are doing with our, our old self. We go in and we say we bury it, but we bury it into this thing that kind of resurrects it once in a while. It just comes back to life. Our, 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 but what God is saying here, what Paul is saying here is that your, your, your old self needs to die. You've got to put it to death. It's like, I am dead to sin. And that that's needs to be the direction of your heart. You got to kill it. You know, like David, 
killed Goliath? Have you ever seen? You heard of David and Goliath? What did, how did David? What did you guys? What were you guys taught? What, how David killed Goliath with what? A slingshot, right? <laughs> and they, they, Goliath was this like seven, eight foot tall monster, and David, not monster, but a big man. And then, and then, and then David was this like like a little guy, like Roy, you know, like. Like, like, yeah, and he had this swing, and he shot the stone, and then it hit Goliath in the head, and he fell, and yay! That's what we, that's what we learned in Bible, like, Sunday school when you're, when you're a little kid, that David defeated Goliath with a sling. But you know what David did? David took Goliath's sword and chopped off his head. <laughs> you guys don't know that part, but it's in the Bible. Read it. Yes, sir. Yeah. Why, why did he chop off his head if he was already dead? Mm-hmm. No, he said, I want to make sure that this... Dude, don't get up on me. So I'm going to chop off his head. And he chopped off his head. He took Goliath's own sword, his big monstrous sword, and he chopped off Goliath's head. That's what we need to do to sin. We need to kill sin in us. It needs to die. And it, you know what? Christ, it, the apostle says it was, it's dead. When we are baptized with Christ, it's already dead. Our, we were buried with Christ in his baptism. It says we died to Christ. We died. Our old self died, and we are made new in Christ. And that is a reflection of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We need to die to our sins. A life reflecting the resurrection of Christ is one that is dead to sin and alive in Christ. You know, but a lot of Christians and a lot of churches today have a revelation of Christ hanging on that cross, dying for our sins. But they fail to really realize the resurrection power that only, that only Yeah, it forgives our sins, but it conquered sin for us. You know that? The resurrection conquered sin for us. It made us victorious over sin on our behalf. You know, when I was young, we would, I would go to like like VBS retreats. When you were young, I I went to, growing up, I grew up in a Christian home, and and I went through 12, I probably went to like 12 VBS retreats in my life. And I accepted Christ 12 times. And every time I'd be like, oh, Lord, Jesus, I accept you into my heart. I just wanted to make sure that it's stuck every time. You know, when you're young, like, you don't want to go to hell. So you're like, oh, Jesus, I accept you into my heart. But I remember we would go to these, these VBS retreats. And, and, and some of them, our, our, the, 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 our pastor would bring out this wooden cross. And would tell us to write our sins on it. And then nail it to that cross. Mm. And, it was like, and we would go and we'd write, oh, like, I stole this when I was, like, in fourth grade. Nail it to that cross. But he didn't die so that we could sin and continue to, to nail our sins to that cross. He died and rose again so that he conquers sin for us. We, too, have conquered sin. We need a reflection. We need a, a revelation of the resurrection that conquered that sin for us. And we no longer have to go and nail these sins to his cross. He's not still hanging on that cross so that we could constantly go to him and ask for forgiveness. He's completely forgiven us for all the things that we would ever do. All the stupid things that I, was, I will ever say to my wife. He's already forgiven me for all of that. He has conquered sin for us. And if that's the position of your heart, that's so much more, that's so different than asking for forgiveness every week. Lord, forgive me for my sins. No, you've conquered sin for us. Mm -hmm. My sinful self is dead. Mm -hmm. That reflects the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
You know, it doesn't mean we don't mess up here and there. Yeah, people mess up. You know, God has grace for us, right? He has grace, abounding grace. You know, he, Christ's blood covers all sin. But it's the position of our hearts. It's how we position our hearts. I am dead to sin, and I am alive in Christ. Sin has no dominion over me. Sin has no power over me. That life, my old self, myself before Christ is dead to me now. That is what Paul's talking about here. And that's what it means to reflect the resurrection of Christ over our lives. So we are dead to sin. Moving on, a life that reflects the resurrection reflects the power of life. It says in John eleven twenty five, it says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. The resurrection of Jesus Christ brought life to all who believe. A new life. It says the old has gone and the new has come. The resurrection not only conquers sin and death, but it brought eternal life to all who believe. You know, you see, sin and death, it goes hand in hand. When you have sin, what do you have? Death. It says Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death. You can't have sin without death. And when Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, they not only sinned, but they brought death into this world. Not just death as in like, I'm dead. But death in the form of separation from God. We are separated from God. It's a spiritual death. And as descendants of Adam, we're born spiritually dead. Every one of us. When we are born, we're born spiritually dead. There's a a quote by a Scottish poet by the name of Charles Mackey or Mackay. That says, we begin to die as soon as we are born. You know, that might be true with our bodies, but in the case of our spiritual life, we are born dead. And because the death is a separation from God. We're born separated from God. But God, in his amazing love for us, what did he do? He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins. Amen? To die on that cross for our sins. And his death and resurrection, he conquered sin and, and the consequence of sin, which is death. He conquered death. And his blood reconciled us back to God. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. This is what Jesus meant. His resurrection brought us life, reconciliation, eternal life, a new life. We are born again into the new life because he has risen from the dead. And I want to tell you something. The new life, this eternal life, this reconciliation with God being one with him, it doesn't start when we die. A lot, of, a lot of people believe that, oh, my eternal life will start when I die. And a lot of Christians that believe that all that good stuff of heaven and all the things is meant for us when we die. And the life that we live now, we just have to endure it before we get to heaven. Now, if that was, if that's what our salvation was like, man, Christians will be killing themselves left and right. Why wait? Why not, why not go, you know, like skydive? Ah, Jesus, I'm coming. They believe that the blood of Christ saves us 
so we can enjoy eternal life after death. He saves our soul. He gives us eternal life. What more could we expect? That's what a lot of believers believe. Let me tell you, when Jesus saved people in the gospel, he didn't just save their soul. He could have just gone up to the people and said, you know what? You're saved. Peace out. No. What did he do? He healed them. He, he saw the lame beggar and said, I heal you. He saw the blind and said, I heal you. And said, your sins are forgiven. He saved everything. It was like a holistic healing. Holistic salvation of people. And, as, and, 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 and that life, that resurrected life, the life that he brings, it saves all of our, us completely. It doesn't, it doesn't just save our soul. But, but he longs to heal you. He longs to bring healing into your life, that your life here on earth can be a joy to you, will be a blessing to you, that you can live your life completely for God, filled with his love. And he longs to not just heal your heart, not just hear your mind, but he longs to hear your body. And he says, so that you can have life and life abundantly. You know, he doesn't save you like, no, I'm going to save your soul, Lydia. But what, you have depression? I'm sorry. I'm not going to deal with that until you come to heaven. I'll see you when you die. I'll be waiting for you at the pearly gates. Peace out. Oh. He cares for you. He wants to heal you now. Not just your heart, not just your mind, but your bodies as well. It says he is our healer. It says in Psalms 103, who forgives all your iniquities and heals all your disease. You don't need healing when you're into heaven. You need healing now. You know that? There's no sickness in heaven. But he says he is our healer. Why? Because that's how he saves us completely. Every aspect of our being, he saves. And we can expect that from the life that he gives. That the new life that you have means you have a new life. Everything about you, he wants to transform. Not just your salvation. He's not just going to give you a ticket to heaven. But he's connected with you. He loves you. You know, we have this thing called healing and deliverance at our church. A lot of, there's a lot of people that come to our church and, you know, they, they get saved. Like, yeah, I'm a Christian, but they, they're struggling with all of this stuff, all of this heartache, all of this torment from trauma in the past. Even my wife, you know, you know, she, she, she had this crazy past, you know, and, and God gave her salvation. Yeah, but along the way, God's healed her of so many things, so many, like, inner pains, pains that she has in her heart, like, like trauma that she had in her life, you know, wrong thinking, you know, sin patterns. She broke all of that off of her. It, it didn't all happen at salvation, but it happens because he has his relationship with you, and he's linked with you, and he wants to help you, and he wants to heal you. And even down the road, you know, God will, will protect her mind from certain things in her past because so it's too much for her. But along the way, when the time is right, God will reveal that to her, that she can, he can bring more healing into her life. That's happened recently. You know, don't you cry? Oh. Oh, and I was like, oh, I hug her. And then I see healing right before my eyes. It actually happened last night. I was just going to say, man, she, she was like, I, 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 was, I was leaning over and I was actually watching a TV show after I wrote my TV. 
And then she goes, can we talk? And I was like, okay. And she was crying. She was like, Aah! And she opened up to this thing that happened to her. And then it was just, it was just like God had shielded her mind from it. But then she was, God was saying, you know what? The time is right now. And as he unveiled it, God, I saw God come and heal her right then, right now. Heal her heart and her mind. And, when she, and it was just like this, this, this thing was just being lifted off of her. And that's the new life that God wants for each and every one of us. No, he, doesn't just, he doesn't just want to engage you for your salvation. Yes, it's very important. Your salvation is important. But he wants to save you now. Who you are. The, the state that you're in. He wants to transform all of that. And my, you know, I look like I got it all together. Got this nice suit on. Man, I was a mess back in the days. I, was, I didn't know my identity. I was doing stupid, silly stuff. I was like, I had all this shame, condemnation on me. This fear of rejection, fear of failure. And then, yeah, I was saved. But I was still struggling with all of this stuff. And God, he, he came to me little by little. And he began to heal me. It was this, the, the power of life. That's that power of life I'm talking about. It's that power of life that the Holy Spirit and God has for us starts to heal us along the way. As we engage with Christ, He starts to heal us and starts start breaking through stupidity off me and start breaking like, you know, giving me common sense and start healing my body. All of this stuff, He starts to transform us into His image. That's that power of life. And, then a, and a person that reflects the resurrection reflects that power. That power is within us. It doesn't stop there. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. What does that mean? He gave what? He gave us what? He gave us the ministry of the reconciliation that that, that is, in Christ, God has reconciled the world to himself, now counting their tre- trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. And we, we, he, gives us he gives us that. He's saying, you know what? I entrust to you the message of reconciliation. You are to bring this life, the power of life that you experience. The power of life that I experienced when he took me out of stupidity, when he took me out of a life of sin and bondage and brought me into this light, into this glorious light, this resurrection. And then now he entrusts that to us to, to give it away to people. And we, we, in a life that reflects the resurrection, reflects that life, that life-giving power that's in Christ Jesus. We are entrusted with the message of reconciliation. In our mouth is a message of reconciliation. In our mouth is a message of life. Mm-hmm. My wife tells me all the time, I'll, I'll say like silly things to her, like, oh, like, I don't want to say it, but like, I'll, I'll make fun of her and stuff like that. And then she goes, speak life, honey. Don't speak death. And it says in the word that we have the power to speak death and we have the power to speak life. But the life that we speak, it's, it's a real life that we can speak into people. We can come into contact with somebody that's grieving. Somebody that's, 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 that's in bondage, somebody that is depressed, and we can speak life into that person. That's the power of life that comes from the resurrection of Jesus Christ. A life that reflects the resurrection 
is taking the new life that was given through grace and giving it to others. And if you are reflecting the resurrection of Jesus Christ, where you go, life follows. In your workplace, in your schools. And not only do you have the message of reconciliation, but you have the very same power that raised Christ from the dead. It says that it's in you. And it's not just in you, but it's active in you. It's at work in you. It's in you so that you can bring life to this world. And in my past sermon, I talked about the Holy Spirit being, being wind. You know, and it, it's, a reflect, it's, a, it's, a, it's a symbolism of the breath of God. Holy Spirit is like the breath of God that, that, that he breathed into Adam. And that breath brought life. And that same life-giving breath of God is in each and every born-again believer. It resides in them. It doesn't just sit there, but it says it's active. It's at work in you. Ephesians 3.20, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or do, ask or think, according to the power at work within us. When we walk in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, we bring life wherever we go. To our schools, to our workplace, to our families. Why? Because he is alive. It's because he rose from the dead. And he is seated in heaven. And he's pouring out his spirit upon us. And he's interceding on our behalf. Mm-hmm. He said Christ is up in heaven. He intercedes. He prays for you. He's, he's, he's cheering you on. He's like, he's like our hype man. Like, you could do it. Christ is with us. Because he has risen. Amen? Amen. He is with us. He is in us. He, we could feel his presence because he has risen. That's the resurrection power that gives life. The third point I want to bring is when we reflect the resurrection, we reflect the power to rule and reign with Christ. I want you guys to say rule and reign. reign. I'm going to read to you some passages here. It says Ephesians 1, 19 to 23. It says, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the work of his great might? That he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Far above rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named. Not only in this age, but in the age to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. Which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. We read that earlier. It says Ephesians 2.6. Check it out. He says, he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So we're up there with him. Right now, we are seated with Christ in the heavens. And in Romans eight sixteen, it says, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, then if heirs of God and fellow, and, and fellow heirs with Christ. Other versions say co-heirs with Christ. Provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. God raised Christ from the dead, seated him in the right hand of of God in the heavenlies, above every power, every rule, every authority, every name. He exalted him to the highest place. And it says he he seated us up there with him. Can you believe that? He seated us up there with him in the heavenlies. And and the image that I get, it says we're co-heirs with Christ. The image that I get from this it's the image of government. It's government. The resurrection gives us the power of government. 
You guys know that? I'm not talking about the White House. I'm not talking about the Blue House. Korea is called the Blue House. It's blue. The roof is blue. I'm not talking about that because there is a government, there is a power, there's an authority that is seated above that. The authority is way above that and we're up in that place. It's the government of God. It's the government of kingdom of God. And it says, we are the governors. You know, when God made Adam and Eve, he gave them dominion over the world. He made he made Adam, he made and he took a rib from Adam and it made Eve and he was like, Whoa, she's very pretty. <laughs> and then they were they were perfect. They were blameless. And and they had this 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 world. And God said, No, this is your word. Take dominion over it. You rule. Mm-hmm. You have the authority to rule. Mm-hmm. This is the dominion I give to you. Over all the birds, over all the animals, the trees and the mountains, the little, the creepy things that crawl along the ground, the little fishies that swim in the ocean. You have dominion and authority over all of that. But from the very beginning, Satan has been attempting to block and destroy our rightful inheritance as a son of God. This dominion that we have. Satan, he's like, he want, he's jealous. He wanted to block it. And this, in, this inheritance includes dominion over this world. It also includes a personal relationship with God. Before the fall, we were in perfect communion. Remember how I said death is separation from God? Okay, sin brought death and brought separated us from God. But before sin, we were completely united with God in thought and mind and heart. We were connected with God. And and, and Satan enticed Adam and Eve and they, they disobeyed God. And when they sinned, when they ate of that fruit, you know, when, when, when Adam... Listen to Eve and took that bite. <laughs> he forfeited mankind's dominion over the world to Satan. Mm, right. it says in John twelve thirty one, John fourteen thirty, that the, the ruler of this world. It says the ruler of this world is Satan. Mm-hmm. He, when man sinned, we gave up that right. right. We gave up that right over to Satan, and we had we were separated from God. Because of, it, of this sin. But in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that inheritance is restored to us. This is Ephesians 1.18. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which you are called, and are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. That inheritance, that glorious inheritance, is that we can take back dominion, back for God. That is our inheritance. And when, when Christ died and rose again from the dead, he won back that right for us. He won it back for us. And it was restored to us. And those who put their faith in Jesus Christ, we can now move forward in taking back dominion for the kingdom of God. We go and we take back dominion. That's what I'm talking about. One, when we reflect the life that reflects his resurrection, we take the authority to govern and rule. And to take back dominion for the kingdom of God. A life that reflects the resurrection starts to govern in this world. We take the authority that's been given to us. And we live it out and we pray it out. The resurrection power of Christ gives us the power to govern with Christ. You know, Satan will resist. 
He's going to throw every old trick in the book. He's going to try to stop us in every way he can. We, we already know that Satan is a what? He's a defeated foe. He's a defeated foe. Did I say fool? He's a defeated fool and a foe. But we know that Satan is a defeated foe. He's already been defeated. You know, and when we look, when we take this authority, it helps us to understand our role in things like North Korea. Now, I don't know how, if you guys have been watching the news, but there's a lot of crazy stuff happening in North Korea. Yeah. And like, I, you know, I, I, I encourage all believers to, to watch the news. I know that you guys may be Americans and Koreans. You guys have internet. Go on CNN. Go on BBC. Go on all the, you know, and check out what's happening in North Korea and South Korea. There's a, some heavy stuff happening. In North Korea, you know, they, they, they threw away all that whatever peace thing that they had from the 50s with South Korea, they start, you know, they're starting to like position rockets and position missiles towards strategic spots, you know, aiming it towards like army bases all around Asia. And, 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 and it's, it, it's, it's getting heated. And yeah, we've had times in the past where things would get escalated and it would go away. But, I, you know, I believe that right now, it's, it's like even, even the, the, the people, the, 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 the South Korean army, they're a little freaked out. Like, what do we do? Should we attack? Like, mm-hmm. and right now, it's a time where a lot of us, when we hear stuff like that, it could, it can make us get a little afraid. Like, whoa, what do we do? Because you know, if I'm a Korean citizen, if a Korean army started, and if Korean war started again, I'd have to go join the army. You know, I'd have to. I'm part of the reserve, so I'd, I'd be doing laundry for the soldiers or <laughs> cooking things and handing out weapons. But I still have to put on the uniform and I still have to go. Right? And and, and it, yeah, like. It, it, when things like this happen, we can pray like, oh God, I pray that, that everything will be okay. Mm-hmm. But you know what? God tells us to go deeper than that. Mm. He says to govern. Mm-hmm. And when it means to govern, it's to go and govern and go to the depths of God's heart and to understand the will of God and start praying it and establishing yeah. over this world. That's right. That's right. And things like North Korea. What's happening in North Korea? God's calling His church to pray. Not just pray for protection, but pray for the world, the will of God. What is His will to free North Korea? His will is to bring freedom, break off that oppression, yeah. bring North and South together again, mm. bring 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 peace and freedom. And that might there might be a, a price to be paid. There there might be trouble, but it's to know the heart of God. That and when we have faith in God that He's going to work it all out for His good, we we pray His heart. That's when his kingdom comes upon this earth. And it's at these times that God causes people to take their place of authority and government in, a, in, in the place of prayer. Yes, the American government can do this. And the, the Korean government can do that. And the North Korean government can do this. But we're saying, what is, what's God going to do? And what is God's sovereign hand in all of this? And it's the government of Christ. As a head of the church, he's calling us to govern and pray with him. When we hear about things like nuclear bombs and rockets, we don't fall back into that place of fear. But we take our place as co-heirs with Christ, and we establish the rule and reign of God upon this world. We pray. It says in the well, how did Jesus teach us to pray? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And that authority, that power, 
Like it comes from the resurrection of Christ. Because he's risen, we have this authority. You know that? Because he's risen and now he's exalted to the highest place and he seated us up there with him. Now we have this authority to pray his will upon this earth. A life that reflects the resurrection of Christ reflects the authority, the authority to govern for the kingdom of God on this earth. And it's because he is alive, because he is with us. And lastly, I want to close with this. And a life that reflects the resurrection of Jesus Christ reflects a life of relationship. It reflects the power of a relationship with a living person. A person that is active and engaged in our lives. A person that is furiously in love with us. A person that cares for us, fights for us, prays for us. And it's because he has risen that we have this relationship. Brothers and sisters, what we're preaching, what what Paul, what the disciples, what the apostles, what Jesus preached, isn't about things we should do. But he calls us into a relationship. And when you're really in this relationship, it transforms your life. That's the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. You know, if 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 Christ left all of these pre these teachings, you know, left all of these teachings, wrote it down, empowered all these people, and then never died and rose again. You know what we have? We would have religion. We would have Buddhism. We would have Muhammad. They have the Quran. They have all these things. And, and sometimes that's what we could, that's what, how we consider Christianity. It's, it's almost as if, like, like, like he left us a, like a to-do list and then, and then just boned out. No. He taught us, yes. But he, he died and he rose again and he's still alive today. And because he is alive, there is the power of a relationship there. There's a relationship with a person. And it's, it's, it's a give and take. And it's in that relationship where we have the power of transformation for us. It's because he has risen. He did not remain dead. And it's because he's risen, he's with you. And, and you have that relationship. He's along. Every step along. Remember I told you about my wife and how God saved her, but along the way, he was healing her of this and that. That's a relationship. She wasn't following a script, a manual, like, oh, do this tomorrow and then do this the next day. No, she was in relationship with a living person. And in that relationship, as, as they walked together, hand in hand, brought healing, revelation, restoration. That's the power of a relationship. And that's the power that comes from the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If he never rose again, you would not have that relationship. If he rose again, this would not be a living, the living word of God. It would be just a book. You know that? Yes, this is the word of God. But if Christ never rose from the dead, this is a textbook. But because he is risen, this becomes the word of God. The living word of God, which is which is active and is alive. I would like everybody to close their eyes. Carmen, if you can come up. And, and, and everyone close your eyes. No peeking. I want everyone to close your eyes.
Today, we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead. And His resurrection not only gave us salvation through the forgiveness of sin, but it conquered sin and death and gave us victory. Not only are we free from sin and death, but His his resurrection gives us life. An eternal life of abundance that starts now. A life of joy, a life of peace, a life of love, a life of healing and deliverance. And it may not be perfect because we still live on this earth, which is definitely not perfect. But we have faith that because He is alive, there is no fear. And all things work for for the good of those who put who, that who are called according to his purpose. Because he is alive, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And because he is risen, he was exalted to the highest place above all other powers, above all other thrones. We know that we have the authority in him to take dominion over this world for the kingdom of God, to rule and reign with Christ. And his given us relationship because he is risen because he is risen that we have a relationship with a living being with a person it's a two way streak it's not just about us praying but he is alive he is active he he is in that place of relationship where he's giving and pouring out and he's receiving and you're receiving and you're being blessed And you're being healed and you're being delivered in this place of relationship. And today I want to ask if there's anybody here today that has never been invited to this relationship. 